Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Exposure Ninja podcast. This one is blogging for businesses. And if you're like most businesses, then you probably treat your blog as a bit of a chore. It might be something that somebody has told you that you have to do, but you're not really too sure why. Um, And as a result, it tends to fall to the bottom of the to-do list each week. Well, in this episode, I'm talking with Charlie, who's head of digital PR at Exposure Ninja. And we're talking about the different approaches that businesses can take, because actually, rather than being a chore or something that you just feel you have to do, your blog should be a really good source of leads and genuine traffic, qualified visitors to your website. So we'll be talking through a few different options that you can take with it, and also looking at some different case studies of how people have used their blogs to be a real marketing asset rather than just something that somebody has told them they have to do and they grudgingly do every Thursday afternoon or Saturday morning just to get it out of the way. And I know you're probably thinking every Thursday, that'd be the day. Um, As always, if you enjoy this episode or any others, then feel free to leave a review and a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you found the episode. It really helps our ranking and helps us to make more episodes for you as well. So Charlie, I'm a startup entrepreneur or I'm typical overworked marketing person in a company. People keep telling me that I need to blog and I've read this amazing book about content marketing and digital PR which tells me about the importance of a blog. I've got a really, really long to-do list. How important really is this blog and is anyone actually going to read it? Well, I actually think blogging is a lot more important than most entrepreneurs and business owners realise. Probably a lot of marketing people do realise the importance of the blog, but have a bit of trouble convincing their seniors that it's where their time's best spent when they're working on a marketing strategy, because there's obviously loads of different facets that they that they need to deal with. There are a couple of key reasons why blogs are so important. Um, the first is that blogs bring SEO benefits to the website. So blog posts are web pages, just like any other web pages on your site. Uh, and Google indexes these. So you need fresh content on the website to keep Google's bots crawling the site. And blogs are a really easy way to keep adding content without just like overloading or creating unnecessary pages everywhere. A blog also can strengthen your on-site SEO because it lets you target the specific keywords you're after. So if you know what your priority keywords are in a three-month period, a six-month, or even long-term, you can create blog posts around those, building internal links to other relevant pages and making sure you're ranking for the kinds of things that you want to be ranking for. You can also make that seasonal as well. So if you're specifically looking to make more sales at Christmas, which a lot of e-commerce businesses will be, for example, then you might want to focus on writing blog posts about uh, selling a specific product from your stock at Christmas, using inspirational images, making it themed. So that could be a really good way to get you ranking for specific things at specific times of year. The same with if it's the new year, then we see a lot of content ranking really highly if it's if it's writing the best hairstyles in 2016 or already like starting really early the best hairstyles in 2017 or the best kitchen products that are going to be on trend uh, in the following year so that can be really good secondly blogs are a really good way to generate leads and even make conversions sometimes well-written well-formatted blogs can be a lead generation material hubspot says that 60 percent of businesses that blog acquire more customers so that's that's a pretty good reason to start So in some cases, you may be able to convert readers directly from the blog. Strong calls to actions at the end that make make an offer to the reader, kind of tell them what you want them to do if they've made it to the end of the blog post or offering like a discount on their first purchase. I've seen some really good calls to actions that actually have a countdown timer. Like if you buy within this specific amount of time, like it's usually like an hour, then you get 50% off your first purchase in the store. So things like that can really like propel people to actually actually go and buy something if you're an e-commerce business or to book a free consultation or have a call with you if you're a service-based business who's using a website. And you can also use the blog as a launch pad to kind of convert people in another way. So a lot of people land on your website or if more specifically they land on your on one of your blog pages and they might not actually be ready to buy something or to give you a ring and buy one of your services. You can just get them browsing your site keeping them on the website. Um, This can be through like linking to other pages that are relevant in your blog post. Using internal links to product pages is a good way to get them like browsing through the kind of things that you're selling. Uh, It might be encouraging them to sign up to a newsletter so they're not ready to buy now, but when that email lands in their inbox later on, maybe a month later, and they'd totally forgotten and then they're 
the sparks rekindled, they remember your brand and head onto your website. Um, so that's a really good way to kind of generate leads and it, it just moving them from the blog to the newsletter uh, and then back to the website later on when they've had time to kind of mull over your brand, build up a bit of brand trust that way. Another thing that I always mention to people is that blog analytics can be really useful. So once you actually get your blog off the ground, in the first couple of months, it'll take a while to build up. But after that, you can get an insight into into who's reading, who's landing on your blog, what your target demographics are, how they got there, um, what other websites they came from, and what kind of content on your blog's actually actually doing well. If you can see what posts have the most readers, then that can be really useful uh, insight into the kinds of products and services that, that might get a lot of conversions online, for example. Uh, another really important point to remember about blogs is that it's a great way to give your company a voice. The same with social media. When you're online, you need to create your own brand voice and you want to be in control of that as well. If you don't do anything, then you're basically just waiting for the internet to roll its own reviews, whether that's through Amazon, on Reddit or on social media about your company. So actually having a blog gives you some control of your brand image and what you're talking about. And the more you talk on the blog, especially if you're building up a profile for yourself, a lot of entrepreneurs might want to blog specifically in their own name to build their kind of own profile. It can really show you off as an expert in your field. And the more you do it, the more recognition it gets. And, and we've seen a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs kind of get interviews off the back of, off the back of their blog posts. Um, a really good one for company voice, if you want to check out um, a business blog that I particularly like, is the Be Thoughtful blog from Braintree and also Manduka Yoga's blog, because they're really good at telling brand story and encouraging their customers or their potential customers to get involved in their brand and the kind of identity that they have. And it's, it's a really strong way to kind of build that voice and brand. And it's also a great way to encourage conversation with customers too. The Manduka Yoga blog, they, they even have the company owner writing about his you know, yoga holiday with his children and interviewed some bloggers who have used their yoga mats, for example. Uh, they get people commenting on the blog and they interact with those comments as well. Like, don't ignore comments, definitely get on board and get involved with them. And you can also encourage the same conversation off the back of your blogs through social media as well. Blogs really play into your content marketing strategy. So that's whether you're running a digital PR and article outreach strategy, and you can build links back to good blog posts. But it also gives you something really good to share on social media. You don't just want to be retweeting the same content or Instagramming the same photo, or even sharing too much of other people's content. You want to have some of your own stuff as well. So blog posts are really great for that to make sure that you're kind of interacting across a, a range of different platforms. So social media, blogs, other websites, syndicating content too. BuzzSumo is also really great for, for this kind of thing. You can run your blog posts through this tool that I really love, which is called BuzzSumo. And it will show you how many social media shares you've got and how many backlinks are going to that post as well. So the more popular your post gets, you can start to start to see the ranking kind of like, order of social media shares and what's what's really popular another thing to say about blogs is that not everyone's doing it especially in the kind of small business and medium-sized business circles not everyone's got a blog yet and it's a really good way to get ahead of your competitors if you see that they they're not blogging then get on it straight away because it could be the difference between getting further up google than them so while they're still trying to find the time to blog you've got the chance to actually start getting ahead of them, outpacing them, outranking them, and hopefully outselling them as well. As long as you've got inf useful information to share, then you've got something to write about. So taking all that into account, blogs are pretty cost-effective marketing investment for small businesses and entrepreneurs. Perfect. Okay, so we've got a few different angles that you mentioned in there. We've got um, posts which are timely so things that are kind of particularly current we've got posts which might target long tail keywords to try and get some seo traffic we've got posts that are designed to convert existing contacts we've got posts that are there to help our brand voice posts that we can share for social we've got loads of different types of posts that we could be writing on our blogs how does a company who's just getting started with this or who's just decided to start taking their blogging seriously how do they choose what to write about which topics to to work on okay like you say there's loads of different posts that a company could be writing about and choosing what to write about can seem like a really overwhelming task especially if you're if you're starting with a blank slate or at the other end of the scale if you're starting with you've already got content all over the place so my first 
step would always be to create blog categories to see where you've got content or where you've got content lacking as well. Blog categories you can do quite simply by looking at your main services or your main product groups or your main target audience. So usually your target keywords can help you categorize a blog and you just want to break it down to be as simple as possible as what people are actually searching for your blog. I've seen a lot of small businesses mistakenly categorize their blog just by January 2016, February 2016. But remember that if someone lands on your blog post page or on your website, they're not searching your blog by the date of writing because they have no idea what you wrote and possibly they've never even been on your website before. Um, so you want to make it really easy for them. So if you're, if you're an interior designer, you might have kitchen design, living room design, bathroom design and so on, just really basic categories so that if, if they've landed on your website, they're looking to redesign their kitchen, they know exactly where to click to get the kind of content that they're interested in. So base that off your target keywords. The second thing you want to consider is what people are searching for, what's in the news and what your competitors are writing about. So when choosing what to write about, when we do it um, on behalf of companies, the first step we do is just simple Google searches. If you use your target keywords, you can just see what Google predicts. Um, and that can really help you just to see the kind of questions that people are asking. Another really good, good way to find that out is to go on to answerthepublic.com, which is a website. If you put in your target keyword, it will show you all the common questions around that specific keyword. And you can read it as like a big data circle or broken down into a list of questions. So that's really good because sometimes it can help you step back and see what kind of questions people are asking that you might not realize. As a business owner or an entrepreneur who is wrapped up in your field, you already know everything about it. It can, it can be really difficult to identify what other people don't know or don't quite understand. What might seem really basic to you is actually really complicated to someone else. So that can help break that down. And I would always try and start from the beginning. So start as simple as possible. Lay the foundation of talking about your, what it is you sell why you sell it, why it's awesome and what it is and just go from there and build up. Once you start getting into more complicated territory about, about choosing what to write, you can check trending topics. So see what's on Google News, see if there's any big news stories you can piggyback off of. So really recently we had some HR clients who obviously knew that Brexit was in the news that was massive and talked about how Brexit might affect small businesses and how HR can, can support with that. And there's, there's usually something you can write an angle you can find there that can be really useful. Google Trends is also a really good way to show what kinds of things are getting more or less popular over time. So that can help to show you what kind of, if you're writing blog topics more long term and want to rank for something over time, then Google Trends can be a good one to, to see what people actually searching for over longer periods of time. Um, I mentioned earlier BuzzSumo as well is really great because uh, you can type in your keywords and see what are the most popular articles are within the last year, within the last six months or the last week. Um, you can do that on the unpaid feature of BuzzSumo as well. It'll show you something like the first 10 uh, most popular articles for a keyword. So that's like a really good way to specify by country and timescale, as well as checking Google News as well. And my last tip is to compare your competitors' blogs, um, see what they're covering and see what they're not covering. If they've got really detailed guides on something, then consider whether you need that as well. And then definitely look for the gaps in their content. Is there anything they're missing? Is there anything that you could definitely be ranking for? And then try and fill those gaps that haven't yet been written into. Cool. So you're saying start with categories and a blog post category is is basically a different a different kind of sector of my audience. So if I'm a beauty salon, it might be hair tips, it might be makeup tips, it might be, you know, fat loss tips or whatever. And then for the individual topics you're using answer the public buzz sumo looking at keyword stuff from google trends and having a look at your competitors and figuring out what sort of questions are people asking yeah definitely so break it down really simple to broad categories and then narrow it down to get the actual topics within each specific niche and make them as as niche as possible yeah perfect all right so if i do that and i write down all my categories and then i think of all the different questions that people might have in those categories Pretty much any business owner there is going to be able to come up with, say, at least 30 blog posts, ideas, like straight away, aren't they? So I've got all those ideas. How often do I have to be blogging? What's the perfect sort of frequency? Well, there's no specific, specific number on this, but ideally companies um, or entrepreneurs would be posting a couple of times a week. Usually two to three times per week would be perfect. However, 
people are busy, marketing people are busy, and you need to find a balance between producing enough content to be feeding to Google and also finding the time amongst all the other marketing tasks and, and business running tasks that you have to take care of. Um, so when I talk to really busy business owners and entrepreneurs, I always recommend aiming for a realistic target of something along the lines of one blog post per week uh, and then trying to build up from there. So just hitting that target consistently and then going from there. If you have a really fast-paced business that's in a cutting-edge industry, then you might actually want to consider posting every day um, to keep up with the latest trends. We see a lot of people in in fast-paced industries like digital marketing posting really regularly. I wonder if you've ever seen a business where they have some, they, you know, day one, I decide to get into blogging. I'm going to smash out four posts today and then I might do a post at a weekend and then life gets in the way. And before you know it, I'm posting like every two weeks and then every month and then it's tumbleweed. It Does, yeah. does that matter? Is it better to, to do it regularly? And maybe if I write a few and then time them to go out over, you know, over a period of, of weeks or am I okay just blasting out as many as I can now and then leaving it emptier? later on when I'm busy? I would stay well away from the big blast out of blog posts. Um, spread out your blog posting. Uh, a consistent approach with blogging is always better. Um, and if you look up any professional blogger, even if they're not a business, if they're an actual blogger, you'll see that they're, they're spreading their posts out and they're posting consistently at the same or a very similar time each week on specific days of the week and maybe even at specific hours of the day. And that's the best way to approach it. If you're, if you're blogging once a, once a week, Try and get that blog post up same time each week. Uh, you may also be able to find the days that most people kind of browse your site. So, for example, you're, if you're an e-commerce site, you might find that weekends there's way more people browsing your site at that kind of time. Or you might find that people are more interested in looking at your website when they finish work and they're just relaxing. Uh, they might be like browsing your line of clothes, for example. So then time your blog post so that they're going out just before your peak times of traffic coming to your website. Definitely avoid just posting all at once. I know it can be really tempting if you've written four awesome blog posts and you're really happy with them and you just want to just show them to the world. But stuff always catches up with you later on. So spread them out and schedule them for every week or twice a week, whatever you can reasonably actually manage with your with your time schedule. Yeah, spread it out. So one of the things that I've seen our PR team under your guidance do for our clients is this content planner thing or content calendar. Why why do we do that? Is it something that businesses can replicate for themselves if they don't have a company managing their blogging? Yes, definitely. Content calendars are amazing and I absolutely love them. Forward planning is the way to successfully run a blog and successfully run a marketing strategy, in my opinion. Our content calendars here, we usually plan in three-month or six-month chunks, depending on, on how, many, how many hours we have to work on a client at a particular time uh, and how in-depth their marketing strategy is going. What you want to do is get your target keywords, so all of the long-tail keywords um, and the ones that you want to target over a longer period of time, as well as the specific priorities in any, any given month or a given season for your business. And then you want to plan your content around that. What I always say to business owners is to try and create a story. You're communicating your brand to different people. And so you want to plan content around different themes to touch on different areas of your business and to reach different areas of your target audience. You also want to look for relevant events that are going on, new stories to piggyback onto throughout the year as well. And by planning in themes like that, you can kind of get a collection of blog posts together. So you could even make a series of blog posts, um, which I've seen some people do really successfully. So it's like weekly installments. And these are really excellent because you can send them out in your newsletters as well and syndicate it with other areas of, of your online marketing. So for example, uh, you can build up anticipation on social media that the part two, part three, part four of your series of blog posts on a specific thing are coming out each week or even each month. And you can build that up in your newsletter as well and get people actually hooked on, on wanting to know what comes next in the series and what comes after. Um, if you find that you have a really successful string of blog posts, say uh, an excellent string of 10 blog posts on a specific theme, um, you can even start linking these together to create ebooks that people could download from your website or that you could use as a lead generation material too. And they can just be free ebooks or just simple PDFs as well. It doesn't need to be anything complex. Um, so planning content like that 
can be really excellent in terms of making sure that you're sticking to the kind of themes that you want to write on and actually actually hitting the right topics, hitting your keywords and making sure that people are getting the content that they want to read over time, making sure that it syndicates well with your SEO, your social media, your digital PR or whatever other kind of online marketing that you're currently running. If you have a content planner, then you can make sure that all of those things are in sync with each other over time. Instead of just blasting out random ones here and there and hoping for the best, um, you can actually strategize your way through. What are the main kind of events that I want to be looking for? Say I'm a beauty salon. What are the main things, the main dates that I should be looking for to put in my content planner? So if you're a beauty salon in the UK, for example, then you want to be looking for things that go on like National Beauty Week, you know, National Skincare Day, those kind of things come on. Things like London Fashion Week can be really important to fashion and beauty brands as well. Anything that would be relevant to that, that you can write content around and get shared online. So, for example, you already know that loads of the top publications, so like Mary Claire, Elle, will be writing about London Fashion Week when it comes around. And if you're producing content that's really similar, you know that the kind of makeup look that people are going for uh, in London Fashion Week, you can cover that on your blog as well. And sometimes you can piggyback onto that to to get a bit more coverage online, for example. Uh, It will vary between different businesses, the kind of events that they want to look for. And you'll know some national events, like you'll know when bank holidays are or summer holidays. For example, um, if if you're running holiday cottages somewhere in the UK, then you'll know that the Easter holidays and summer holidays are going to be kind of big yearly events that you you want to write about. And for example, if you're If you work in an industry with schools, um, we have a client who works in playground design and events are really great for them because there's loads of charities like the Woodland Trust who who have specific days about learning about the environment, appreciating the outdoors. And you can really tie into events like that and see if there's some way to collaborate with, with them. A really good one that we talked about with that client recently was run by Save the Children. It's a thing called Den Day uh, where they raise money for children who don't have shelter every night. And that's simply by running a small little event with a school and you can build build a den, take a photo, send it in to save the children and just kind of learn about the charity and what they do. And that's a really great way to actually get coverage and show that you are a business who's engaged with what's going on in the world uh, and interested in supporting the community and other things. So I'm guessing you'd use that sort of thing on social media as well. Say you were blogging on London Fashion Week, you could jump in on London Fashion Week hashtags on Twitter, for example, and then you might get some some timely traffic. Definitely, that's what you want to do. Always check what the trending hashtags are on Twitter and also on Instagram. And you'll probably be able to predict things. So, for example, London Fashion Week, you know that you know that it'll be trending because it trends every year. So you can check that out. And also, just more even like specific hashtags that will be set up. So, for example, the charities I talk about with Dende, they'll have a specific hashtag for that as well. And you can usually find that out from the company ahead of time. And then, yeah, send out some timely tweets and Instagram posts or Facebook updates or whatever social media platform your business is really focused on. And that can also drive traffic through to your blog from there. Stay with us, people. When we come back, Charlie's going to be telling us how we can get people in our team to help out with running our blogs or how you can outsource this if it all sounds like a really, really awesome idea, but you're not sure that you're going to have time. Ever wondered how companies get featured in high-profile magazines and newspaper sites like Forbes, The Guardian and The Wall Street Journal and even live on TV? Perhaps you've heard about the rise in blogging and want to know how you can use bloggers to promote your products. In the Exposure Ninja book, The Ultimate Guide to Content Marketing and Digital PR, Digital PR Ninjas Charlie and Luke break down step-by-step the process that Exposure Ninja uses to generate maximum visibility for their clients. In The Ultimate Guide to Content Marketing and Digital PR, you'll see behind the scenes of Ninja campaigns that led to features in international magazines, national newspapers, top industry trade journals, popular blogs, and even live on national television. What would it mean to your business to be seen in these sorts of places? Whether your goal is links, creating expert authority, or building an audience, search Amazon for the ultimate guide to content marketing and digital PR today. Welcome back, everyone. We got Charlie here. She leads our digital PR team at Exposure Ninja and she's helping us get sorted with blogging. Charlie, I want to ask how a lot of businesses, obviously, they 
got lots of things to do, lots of running of the business to do. Can business owners get people in their team to help out with the blogging and how should they spread that workload? Yes, 100%. Definitely delegate your blogging to the strongest writers in your team. You might find it best to have people from each specific department within your within your business, depending on, on how big the business is and how many different things you cover, who might want to write blog posts. And that can really take the weight off you. If they have a specific week of the month that they always write a blog post on. So if week one, one person does it, week two, the next person does it. And then they just stick to that ongoing schedule um, to keep the ball rolling with the blog. That can be really good. Uh, Another option is if you know that you've got a really strong blog writer somewhere in your team, then make sure that all of the blogs are written by them. They can either be ghostwritten if you want them particularly in your name or someone else's name, or they can just become your kind of content figurehead as the person who writes the blog and keeps it ongoing. But yes, definitely get the team to help out with blogging, get them to generate ideas, get them to do some research for the kinds of topics you're covering, check your keywords with them and with with your own Google Analytics as well to make sure you're targeting the right things um, and also get them involved in the writing as well. You mentioned if you've got strong writers on the team, how good does the writing in the blog have to be? Can it just not just be, you know, do the best attempt and hopefully, you know, maybe run it through a spell check? Like, is, is Google looking at this stuff? Do people judge us on this stuff really? You know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be the world's best writer. You don't have to be the next Shakespeare or the uh, JK Rowling. You just need to have some useful information to share and structure it in a way that is really simple and easy to read for people. Break it down with headings and section it. Don't try and like overwrite too much. Don't underwrite either because you get nervous. Just go for 600 words, break it down into four or five sections um, and go through it that way. Google is reading it and people will be reading it eventually. Maybe, maybe not for the first couple of months if you're only just starting your blog but eventually if someone comes across it you want to have good content on your website you don't just want to publish any old thing because it's not worth it so take some time about it and break it down but no you don't need to be a professional writer you just just need to keep it simple structure your sentences well and like you said use a spell check Grammarly is a really great one um, can help you quickly go through and see where your spelling grammar is wrong too and just tighten that up Okay, so if in doubt, just write the blog, right? Don't let that sort of thing get in the way of getting it done, basically. Don't let fear stop you from just going for it. I'm so inspired to go and write my blog now. Cool. <laughs> How about outsourcing the whole blog? I guess the the fear with that is that, particularly if we're talking about brand voice, are we going to be able to find somebody or is an, an outsourcer or a freelancer, are they going to be able to write stuff in in our tone of voice or is it just going to come across generic or does that even matter can we just get someone you know there's cheap content writers out there that can just pump out loads and loads of fairly generic but you know well written and spell checked content um there's a lot of different things to consider here i think that outsourcing your your blog can be a really excellent idea whether that's to a digital pr team uh, in a marketing company or just to a single freelancer Writing blog posts, especially if they're writing for the same company every every week, every month or however often, even if that's twice or three times a week, they're going to eventually get your brand voice on point. Hopefully you'll be able to send them some kind of guidelines to your brand voice. If you have a really clear idea of, of how your brand should sound, get it all into a document and share that with everyone in your company. Share it with anyone you outsource to and definitely share it with your blog writer. You can kind of write the kind of uh, buzzwords that your business uses the kind of tone of voice, if you if you stay well away from swearing, if you're a bit more like slack and laid back and that's how you want to come across, all of those things can go into a tone of voice document. If you've got a really professional blogger or outsourced freelancer or outsourced digital PR and blog writing team, they should be able to produce excellent blogs if they've got all the information they need about your brand voice and your target audience. Um, they're professional writers and that's their, that's their job to do an excellent excellent job of your blogs if you're not happy with their first drafts then talk them through with them show them examples of what you like I always say it's great to send over examples of magazines that you personally enjoy reading especially if they're within your industry blogs they don't have to be competitive blogs but just anything online that that you want to emulate whether that's you know the the style of Forbes if you want to be as laid back going as Mary Claire or whatever kind of tone of voice and style your brand wants with regards to just Doing it cheap, paying you know anyone to produce loads and loads of content, you get what you pay for. 
you might get someone okay. You might just end up with a second or a third language speaker spinning out content that just doesn't really make sense at all. It's awful. It's a waste of your money. You may as well just be burning your money rather than paying for someone to spin content. And it's basically not usable if you if you go really cheap. You might find some middle ground and get some average blog posts. Uh, I always recommend trying to get the best that you can. The best way to gauge when you're working with someone is to just ask them to send you across some examples of their writing before, before you make a decision to employ them or pay per blog post. So you can pay for a blog post that you're really happy with if you're hiring just a freelancer who's only working to write your blogs. You can give them guidance and you can go through edits with them. Um, but I think that you really want to outsource to someone who you definitely know is on your team, who you can communicate with, who really cares about your business, ideally, rather than just a content spinner from anywhere. You mentioned a brand voice, and that's awesome for people who know what their brand voice is. If they're a startup or they've never really thought about this, how does somebody even go about considering brand voice? Where do we get some ideas about what our brand should sound like? Yeah, brand voice can be a really tricky one for entrepreneurs, especially because in the beginning, it's just them and it's usually their voice. And then it evolves from there. And for small businesses who aren't exactly sure what direction they want to go in, the best thing to do is to start categorizing broadly. If you know you're selling much lower ticket uh, value items, um, if you know the areas where you're targeting, if you're targeting specific towns or cities or countries, all that can really help feed into your brand voice. And then look at your competitors. See what kind of brand voice they have and see what their, their website content sounds like, what their blogs sound like, what their brand voice on social media sounds like. Disregard any that you don't like and take the good bits from, from the people who you do like. Obviously, you want to come up with your own unique style as well. So look at the other kinds of big brands out there, especially look at like the leaders in your industry or the industry leaders in, in really similar kind of sectors to you and the kind of brand voice that they have. One of the really great examples um, to look at is Innocent, who owned by Coca-Cola, but have quite a different brand voice from Coca-Cola. Uh, if you compare those two, then you can really see kind of how, how playful and youthful Innocent get right down to targeting mums and children, uh, whereas Coca-Cola is like the much cooler, slicker, hipper version of that. And looking at like different kinds of brands and the voice that they use and how they present themselves online, and then taking into account your own target audience as well. That can be a really good place to start planning how you want your brand to come across. So is our brand voice basically the voice that we would use if we were talking to our customers directly? Is it the voice that they are talking in or is it a kind of combination of those? I think it will be mostly a combination. You want it to be the voice that comes across when you're talking to your customers. Um, so you want everyone on your team to have a kind of consistent brand voice whether they're sales, whether they're writing the blog, whether they're the customer service guys, whether they're just the people packaging in the stock rooms. You, anyone who's actually talking to your customers, you want them to come across in the same kind of way. But you want them to be on the same level as your customers as well. So if you're selling luxury products to high-end customers, um, but you're not speaking at their level or even vice versa, then you want to make sure you're evening that out so that they feel comfortable talking to your business, that they can really engage and understand your brand. I think the first time I really got the brand voice thing was when I saw that question that you guys added to our new client questionnaire, which is, if your brand was a celebrity, who would it be? Immediately, as like a business, I, oh, I, I totally get that, right? I know the difference between Jamie Oliver or if my brand was Donald Trump you know I can immediately get that why why do we ask that of people and who should people choose to be their kind of proxy brand voice you know it's quite a tough question but it's one that's meant to be really fun and kind of it's they understand exactly what we're going for like the kind of person that they want to come across come across as when answering the question I always just try and think of not just your favorite celebrity, but who you think comes across really well and how you would like your brand to come across. Um, so the kind of person that you want to emulate. And we ask that question just as a kind of easier way to break down for people who, who it is they might want to sound like, because it can be really, really complicated if you get too far into, you know, looking specifically at your target audience and, and it can seem really overwhelming. So just think about the celebrities, how they sound on the TV, whether you want to be fun, serious, kid-like, easygoing, you know, innocent, 
all of those sorts of different characteristics that people have. Identifying a celebrity or uh, any person that you, you know well can really help with that. I guess we're also choosing celebrities that we know our audience responds well to. So if yeah. I'm a if I'm a mum, I'm going to choose, you know, maybe someone on morning TV or someone who's super in a public eye like on family shows and stuff like that because we know that that sort of tone works with those people and, and is influential, which is I guess what we're going for. And it, it can be really different even within the same industry. Like you might want to be the Jamie Oliver of kitchenware or you might want to be the Gordon Ramsay of kitchenware. I mean, it really depends on on the kind of tone and customer that you're going for. Totally, totally. Cool. All right, that's amazing. So if I've got a blog on my website, great. So if I've got a WordPress website, there's already a blog built in. If I don't have a blog on my website, I can get one separately on, say, WordPress.com or I can go to Blogspot or I can get a blog built onto my site. Like, what's the difference here and what should I do? WordPress, Blogspot, Blogger, any kind of different website that would be separate from your website, no thank you. Stay away from keeping things separate. You want to keep everything on your actual website and on your domain name. You want all those new web pages, so the blog posts, you want them all on your website contributing to your main website's SEO and ranking for specific things. So you want to add a blog directly onto your website Ideally, it would be WordPress because you can usually integrate that pretty well with most kind of website setups. Um, and it's also really easy to use for business owners, entrepreneurs, marketing people, anyone who's new at blogging as well. You'll probably be able to pick up WordPress without too much of a struggle. So definitely get one integrated onto your current website. Stay with us because when we come back, Charlie's going to tell us how to get people on our blog. And once we've got them on our blog, how, what to do with them. As a thank you for checking out the Exposure Ninja podcast, you can claim a free review of your website and digital marketing at ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Your review will include analysis of your competitors and a free personalized strategic plan for you. There's absolutely no catch. If you like your review, you can apply to become an Exposure Ninja client, although there is no obligation to do so. Here is what people are saying about their free reviews on Facebook. My review was excellent and much more detailed than anything I would expect for free. We'll definitely be using Exposure Ninja further. I have just finished watching my free marketing review and I'm really impressed by the time and care taken. My review was sent by video, which was extremely helpful as I could clearly see what I needed to do. I'd highly recommend applying for a free marketing review fantastic video review some terrific advice covering all aspects of our website the generosity in terms of quality and quantity of advice is tremendous i applied for this and a number of other reviews from other websites the review that laura one of the ninjas put together for me was incredibly comprehensive the other companies gave me a pdf full of graphs and stats that didn't mean anything to me Laura sent me a video she made talking me through things on my website and gave me detailed advice on how to improve the website. To get your free website and marketing review, head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review now. Welcome back. We've got Charlie, head of digital PR at Exposure Ninja, and she's going to tell us how to get people on our blog and what to do with them. So Charlie, I've been taking your advice. I made all my categories. I wrote down all of my different blog topics, which I got from Answer the People. Answer the People, Answer the Public? Yeah. Yep. And BuzzSumo, I've written my blogs, but nobody's reading them. What am I doing wrong? How do I get people to read and share my blog? Okay, first things first, it's early days. Don't get upset that no one's reading your blog. Everyone experiences this, even professional bloggers. It takes time to grow and it takes time to scale up. It's exactly the same with your business. Start small, you're just a seed, and eventually you'll be an oak tree. That's the aim. So don't get upset if you're not getting all the traffic in in month one, two, or three. It's going to take time. My advice is to start building up content gradually, so week by week, or ideally a couple of times a week if you can. And then once you've actually you know, got four to eight kind of blog posts, you've actually got stuff for people to read rather than just one single blog post, then you want to really start marketing it. So in the in the early stages, don't worry too much, just worry more about 
getting really good quality content that's targeting your keywords and that people want will want to read when they get there and getting that up on your blog making sure you've got good meta descriptions and page titles and, and everything sorted for that and then when you get two three four months down the line then it's really time to start trying to share your blog you definitely want to share across your social media so look at what your most popular channels are and that could be facebook twitter instagram pinterest might even be snapchat um, and for a lot of businesses, it will actually be LinkedIn as well. And see, start sharing, start using really relevant hashtags to your industry, especially on Twitter and Instagram, where hashtags are super important. When it comes to LinkedIn, then you might want to kind of write like a preview snippet or share a couple of paragraphs from the top of your blog post and then link back to your website um, on LinkedIn's in's blogging platform. And there's also some great groups in, in nearly every industry you can imagine on LinkedIn as well. So you might want to share and, and get feedback from peers in your industry via LinkedIn too. So that can be a really good way to start the ball rolling with that. And then the further on you go, so social media, sharing on social media is really the first kind of stage that you want to get to. Then ideally you'll have a content marketing strategy or a digital PR strategy, as we say, in place. And that means building links from other articles online back to your website. So if you've written a really awesome blog post, then you want to try and direct people to that. Except you don't currently have the audience on your website. That might be because your website's really new, because um, you're a really small business, or because it's just not yet ranking, because it takes time to get things ranking on, on Google. So you need to give it a bit of time as well. So then you want to start writing articles in notable places in your industry. So for example, if you're working in, in like, business and finance then Forbes is the dream right but there's loads and loads of business and finance blogs that are kind of lower tier that you can start out writing on guest posting uh, and even maybe consider some sponsored content depending on your industry specifically if you're in the travel industry then then sponsored content's a really big one because posting with travel bloggers or in the luxury travel industry comes with a bit of a higher price tag than for example just guest posting uh, on HR websites um, and blogs so then once you've started writing articles and guest posts, then you can start linking back to your relevant blog posts within there. So you usually want to write something fresh and unique um, for other websites because you don't want to just duplicate the same article all over the internet because that's bad for Google. Editors probably don't want to just have exactly the same content. They want something unique for their website and something that's targeted to their audience as well. So this is a great way to reach your audience who are currently reading elsewhere online. So you're basically funneling through an audience from other publications, other websites um, to your relevant blog posts. You don't need to be overt and promotional about this. You can do this in a really kind of covert uh, and subtle way, just linking within in the text of the article, linking within an author bio about yourself, that kind of thing. And just basically offering really valuable resource to anyone who might be interested and bringing them across to your blog. So over time, that will all start to build up and you'll start to see more readers, more shares going on. So I, as well as writing on my blog, I've got to write on other places that my audience is hanging out and then I'm going to direct them back to my blog to read more of my stuff, right? That would be amazing. But start small and scale up. Don't overwhelm yourself with too much stuff. But yes, that's the idea. So how do I identify where my audience is? Because I know that we sometimes write on Medium, we write on LinkedIn, like Huffington Post has a like a user-generated content thing. How do we know which of these we should be writing on? So this all comes back to who your target customer is at the end of the day as well. There's thousands of websites and blogs out there um, and you just want to find the ones that are within your industry so, for example, if you're a beauty salon in London, that's a really good example. You know that you, you probably want to target women in their 20s and 30s, maybe slightly older, depending on, on, on your, who your business is, and you want them to be in London. So you basically want to start looking for publications about beauty that are based in London um, and bloggers who write about beauty that are also based in London and targeted at that same kind of age, age range, gender, demographic, and then try and tap into their audience so the great thing about writing articles um, for other people or getting them linking back to your blog is that you're tapping into an audience that's like pre-made, it's ready built for you. And also the same on social media, anyone that you write for um, or any bloggers that you work with, they'll also share on social media as well. And you definitely want to get tagging and having a conversation if you can um, on Twitter or whatever social media it is you're focusing on to get people coming in. So let's say that we've done that we're getting people reading our blogs elsewhere and our guest posts elsewhere and now we've got people coming onto our blog if we're a business 
what do we do with these people? How do we turn them into a customer or, or like a regular fan? Okay, great. So the whole point of, of any online business with a blog is to get customers at the end of the day. You want to see some kind of return on investment on the marketing that you're doing. And that means getting people converting. So you need to look at the different elements of your blog and of your website to try and get people to convert. I talked a little bit about this earlier, about making sure you have really strong calls to actions at the end of your blog post. So if someone gets all the way through down to the bottom of your blog post, what is it you want them to do after they finish reading? So your call to action might be something slightly different depending on the topic of the blog post, or it might be the same depending on whatever your strategy is. So for example, this could be downloading an ebook, signing up to a newsletter, browsing product categories on your site, booking in a free consultation with, with you, asking for a free quote for some work that you would do for the reader, asking them to comment so that you can start engaging people in conversation on your actual blog, uh, asking them to share the post if, if you're really focused on uh, social media and, and making an impact there. So that's the first thing you want to do is make sure you have a really strong call to action. So you're basically telling them what you want them to do. Um, if you see on Google Analytics that you're getting a lot of people clicking onto your blog post and then just bouncing off the page, so if you've got a really high bounce rate, then you want to think about whether you need to adjust the elements of your blog post or even possibly how it looks on your website and the format of your website around the blog post. If people are bouncing, then that's, that's a sign they're not finding what they want when they get there. So what is it they're searching for when they get to the blog post? And are you not providing them with the, with the information that they're looking for? Or do they just really, really hate the way the website looks? And that's, that's a big turnoff for them. And then, then they've bounced. And so you want to look at all those different kind of elements on your page as well. Is, it, is there a really obvious buy now button if you're trying to specifically move them over to a shop? Is the menu really easy to navigate? Is there a good offer or deal, an incentive for them to sign up to something or buy something or whatever action it is that you want them to take at the end of reading the blog post? Take all of that into account as well. Um, make sure you've got your phone number prominent if you, want, if you want people ringing in to get quotes and stuff. So the idea is to either convert them immediately, which would be amazing, but maybe not maybe not 100% realistic. And the, uh, the second option is to get them to come back to your website another time. Um, so offer them something like a newsletter so that they keep following you and your brand and they build up trust over time and eventually convert. This reminds me of one client that we're working with, the accountant who blogs every day, right? So yes. he's been working really, really hard on his blog post, making them as awesome as he possibly can. And we noticed he was getting quite a lot of organic traffic. So because he was blogging so often and because he was off answering so many questions that people had, these blog posts were showing up on Google, people were coming onto the site, they were actually spending a bit of time on the blog page, but then they were leaving and we were trying to figure out why this is. And as soon as we took a look at the blog post itself, we noticed that, do you know what, this is a really complete answer to this question, but nowhere on this page are we trying to funnel people off to a service page we're not trying to get them to sign up for updates we're not trying to get them to download his lead generation there's no clear call to action so i guess we're saying once we've got that person on the blog the job isn't done you've then got the opportunity to sell your business and sell your service to them and that has to be explicit we can't just hope that oh because they're on my blog they they're probably going to check out my website that some of them are probably going to turn into customers we've got to be so so straight up and offer them something that's really juicy such as download our 10 best uh, blog posts or download our free ebook or you know something that's that's super compelling to get them to to stick in their name and email address so that we can build a bit of a relationship with them yeah, definitely. And it's worth taking some time to think about what it is you actually, what you actually want to achieve um, and what you actually want them to do. And realistically, what the best way to keep hold of their email address, get them returning to the website or convert them actually is. Because it's going to be slightly different for every business. Um, and it might be slightly different for the kinds of readers landing on different categories of your blog, depending, depending how broad your, your business is and, and the products are and the audience are. So it's really, really worth spending time making sure that your calls to action and lead generation are actually something really good um, because the job's not done. Getting traffic is great, but it's not the end of the road. It's getting the conversions that you want to happen. So how do people know if their blog is or isn't working? Okay, cool. So I've touched on a couple of things already. Traffic is the first one. If you've got people coming onto your blog post, then that's great. 
is that traffic bouncing? Check how long how long an average user is staying. Are they reading to the end of the page? Or are they leaving immediately when they get there? It wasn't what they were looking for after all. So that's the first way to know if, if the blog's working. You've got people coming on and reading it. The second is you've got people sharing it on, on Twitter or on social media, whatever social media you're using. This is a really good way to see if your content's actually popular. Um, if people actually want to share it, then they really, really think you've got something valuable to say. So that's great because you know that your blog's generating more and more shares, reaching a, a bigger and bigger audience as it goes. And if you have people downloading whatever your lead generation is, adding their email into the database, if, you're, if your lead generation is a newsletter, or if you have people clicking through to your contact page through there, you should be able to track most of those things um, to see how many people from a blog post are are actually then inputting their name into uh, your, you know, your email database sign up or da- making a download to grab your free ebook or whatever your lead generation is. So you know your blog posts are working if if you've got traffic, if those people are staying on the on your website for a little while, and if they're actually taking you up on your offer for whatever it is that you want them to do. Amazing. One thing that you might not know about Charlie is that she actually writes her own blog. She's a travel blogger as well as being a super ninja head of digital PR. So finally, Charlie, why don't you tell us a bit about your blog? And also, are there any other blogs that you recommend that we check out, even if they're not related to business, just so we can get a feel for what sort of blogging, what sort of blogging techniques work? Yeah, absolutely. So my blog is about sustainable and slow travel around the world. And you can find me at charlieontravel.com. Um, another great blog, which is is written by one of the co-ninjas here, who's currently head of the SEO department, is angloitalian.com. Um, that's a really excellent slow travel blog too. Definitely recommend checking our blogs out, of course. If you're a business uh, looking looking to see some really interesting blogs i really recommend the be thoughtful blog from braintree this is a really really nice one so braintree sell like organic clothing their their blog is quite broad it touches on a lot of different things about kind of thoughtful living and the environment so they go quite broad so that's a really good one for checking out that if you're really keen to build up a brand story for your business's blog check out the upward frog blog which is from manduka they have really excellent, excellent stuff um, and really, really in high engagement with their audience. Um, they also have brand ambassadors going on. They have a hashtag that's made for yoga, which is really good. And my favorite blog to read personally as a digital marketer is Quicksprout. Um, so that's quicksprout.com, which is written by Neil Patel. He's a really excellent blogger and produces some of the best content on the internet. He does a lot of long form writing. So by that, I mean really really long, well-written, detailed posts um, to read through. And probably you'll find something really interesting in there just for your, from your own online marketing point of view as well. So definitely check him out too. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us, Charlie. I hope you've all enjoyed listening to this episode. Remember to check out your free website and marketing review at www.exposureninja.com forward slash review. And of course, the book, uh, The Ultimate Guide to Content Marketing and Digital PR, written by Charlie, Luke, and a bit of me as well. So go and check that out on Amazon, then leave this podcast a nice five-star review on iTunes. That really, really helps our ranking. And as you know, we're all about ranking. Thank you for joining us today and look forward to talking to you soon.